y'all! That's right, this is the Pre-Game Engineer Tug Game Air Racing Podcast, episode number 285. It's Tuesday, April 13th, 2021. I'm Tug Game Air Rusty Wallace in the PTM Podcast Studio in Atlanta, Georgia. This week's show brought to you by our official sponsors. Uh, and as always, the podcast is sponsored by you. That's right, go to patreon.com forward slash PTM, join the What's Drink Club for as little as $1 a month, get that free cruise, get some stickers, best part is, every cent this year, we're once again just going to give it away, donate it to sponsoring drivers, join the PTM posse today, be a part of the sport you love, and now the part that I tried to do at the beginning and then going to do now, this show, brought there by our official sponsors at that $5 and up per month level, here we go. Aaron Bidden, Robert Kevin, your Coleman Claymore, Kevin Ryan, Keeper, Patrick Cleary, Jeff Brown, Brandon Crowell, Kathy McDonald, Brandon Carl, Rico Porter, Julie Bosley, Eddie Griffith, Younger Motorsport, Dave Mullins, Patrick Johnson, Brent Morris, Chris Smoke, Greg Rosado, Chad Nappin, Stacey Coleman, Lisa Chinana, Rick Houston, Sarah Enbari, Evan Roller, Matthew Bishop, Harry Bolzana, AJ Evangelista, Janet Scott, Les Miller, and Jumpy Bob. Woo! And big shout out, by the way, I think I just got the email in a few minutes ago that Lisa Chinana has uh, upped her... Uh, uh, Patreon patronage patronage to uh, ten dollars a month from five. So Lisa, uh, I don't know if what we do is worth ten bucks a month, but <laughs> we, we appreciate you doing that. And it's all once again going to uh, sponsoring drivers. As soon as <laughs> folks get back to the track and everything, we've got a uh, we've got a little small mountain of money, don't we? I think I know why that may have happened. Mm. She lose a bet to Be- you. <laughs> no, I didn't lose a bet <laughs> uh, or win one. Uh, no, um, we were Brandon and I were talking about being pretty well committed to going to Pocono. Like Brandon's already looked up Airbnb. He's got some stuff with work going on. He's got to sort out. And I was like, "You let me know when that's sorted out, and I'll buy, buy the did I buy buy the plane ticket to <laughs> Scranton Wilkes Bar, and we're gonna do it. It's a done deal. We're going to Pocono." So you tell me if you want to go, buddy. All right. Well, what does that have to Airbnb do with Airbnb we're looking at has two bedrooms. It's got one with two singles and one with a double. What so, does that have to do with Lisa Chinana? She lives in Pennsylvania, right. and she will be at Pocono. Excellent. That's awesome. Great to hear. We all have already heard his voice in the PTM North Carolina studio. Pre-game engineer Andrew Sherwin. Dude, how you been? That's right. North Carolina. So I'll take a moment. Um, your enemies in retirement become people that you start to respect career-wise so i want to shout out to roy williams for retiring from the university of north carolina basketball program fantastic career hated playing against you (laughs) respect what you did my man absolutely absolutely so time to bring on to the show First timer on the PTM podcast, he's president of GBK Collective, alumnus of Microsoft and T-Mobile, marketing guru, NASCAR aficionado on Twitter at J. It's Jeremy Course. Jeremy, what's happening? Hey, guys. How's it going? Awesome. And by, by the way, uh, former Grand Marshal of Pocono, so... The first thing I will say in the show is there's no Airbnb. It's all infoil, infield boys. <laughs> well, so cool. I, I hear you. Once we get all this other extraneous things figured out, I mean, we had 25 people lined up to go last year, and mm. then somebody dropped a virus out of the damn sky, <laughs> so we didn't get to go. But yes, I hear you. Infield, I want to be down by turn one and raising hell. So oh, that is the place, Jeremy. Your um, your uh, accolades, just like we we talked about with uh, with Brent Dewar recently, you know former NASCAR president and PTM alum. So these are, you know, this, this can go at grand marshal. 
uh, head of marketing for Microsoft and PTM alum. Like these things, you know, we, we hand out certificates. <laughs> They're on equal billing. <laughs> yeah, like, no, hey, it's going. I'm going to I'm gonna have to get you business cards. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, you have to come back and get your master's and then your PhD oh, and your professor is, emeritus. You usually wait <laughs> till the end to ask you to make sure you're not super offended. But, uh, Jeremy, we do offend our uh, our guests by starting off asking the same question every time. What you drinking tonight? So this tonight I've got uh, – well, I'm pretty much an equal opportunity drinker, as my buddies will tell you. But tonight I decided to go for a Maker's Mark Manhattan on the rocks. Well done, sir. My man. All right. It's almost like you knew I was in New Orleans over the weekend. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> oh, Sherwin, what you got for us? Well, it's Taco Tuesday, so I've got a Dos Equis Amber. Sir, I reached back and still had a few. We're Dos Equis brothers tonight. I've All right. The, uh, oh, uh, cheers, logger. buddy. You've got the Amber. Cheers. Let's get going. Mm. Guys, I've got a little story to tell to start us off. Um, this happened earlier today. And I don't know if anybody from my work will be listening, but uh, if they are, <laughs> please don't tell HR. Uh, <laughs> so <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> here's, uh, here's what went down, okay? So I'll set the scene for you. We've got a team chat. Uh, we use Slack, and Slack has different channels and stuff. And so, you know, you might have your developers in one channel and your QA team in another channel and everybody in some other channel just to be able to, to talk to each other and, and coordinate and whatnot, right? Well, in Slack, you can do the normal team chat things. One of those things you can do is emojis. So somebody says something funny and you can like slap a, a laughy face or somebody says something you agree with and you give them thumbs up or whatever. But you can also create custom emojis, right? And so your oh. team can have custom ones like, you know, a dumpster on fire. We have that one just because it's funny. Like, uh, oh, the build server's down again. Dumpster fire. Ha ha ha. Right. Well, one of them today uh, that I had not seen before was this one called Shane. And uh, that, that was the name of the emoji. And, and I looked at it, and I was like, huh, what is that? And it looked like this nun. And it's, uh, it was a nun in, like, a gray uh, uh, hood or whatever. Now, Jeremy, do you know where I'm going with this? Well, I grew up Catholic, so I'm, I'm waiting. Okay, okay. Uh, <laughs> I think some people in the PTM posse are going to see where this is going soon. Okay? So... What do I do? I, I was like, okay, well, I'm just going to look up what that is. So I do a reverse image search in Google to find out what image it is. And apparently, it's Game of Thrones related, right? Oh. Now, I'm not. Uh, maybe Lisa maybe, called it out, by the way, on YouTube. She already knew what <laughs> you were going L-O-L-G-O-T. to do. L-O-L-G-O-T. She sure did. She sure did. Shame, shame, shame. She's saying it. So in Game of Thrones, here's something Russ, you didn't know, right? So I, I search YouTube. I go to YouTube. I'm like, Game of Thrones, shame. I'm just curious. Uh, like what it is. I'm trying to be hip with everybody, right? I'm trying to understand this stuff. Well, turns out what they do in Game of Thrones is uh, if you have done something to offend the village, I guess. I don't, I don't know how this stuff works, guys. I haven't seen Game of Thrones. It's like right? the Scarlet Letter or something. Oh, so what they do is they, they have that lady, the nun lady, walk down the road with a bell, and she goes, she's ringing the bell, ding, 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 and she just goes, shame, shame. And it, <laughs> while doing that, okay, the person who is being shamed has to walk in front of her. Now, here's what old Rusty didn't know and that we don't want uh, folks to tell HR. On my 24-inch monitor, <laughs> when they walk down the street, they have to do it butt naked. <laughs> oh, so, goodness. <laughs> there's, there's some woman. 
Because uh, she's ringing the bell, shame, shame, and they switch cameras, and on my 24-inch mono- monitor, there is full frontal of this woman, and I'm going, what in the world? Come on, Game of Thrones, what have you done to me? So, I've, uh, it's a good excuse. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's the excuse. <laughs> Old Rusty was apparently watching adult flicks on... <laughs> you just say, I, I, I didn't know. I Honestly, that's, that's the thing. I, and, I didn't know. Here's... A, if you're not if you're not up on pop culture references, I don't know if people are going to believe me either, right? Like they're like, oh yeah, sure, you never watched Game of Thrones. I'm like, no, I never, I, I actually never did. I'm sorry, I didn't know the shame thing. I was just looking it up. Come on, so. right? There's plausible deniability. That's, that's in that, I, like, because I'm the same. <laughs> so, yeah. Jeremy, just for a goof, I'll tell you a very brief story. I walked in. So Rusty and I used to do this podcast with us right across the table from each other back mm-hmm. when we both lived in in Atlanta. Yep. And uh, I. I walked in one night. <laughs> yep, right over there. That was my chair. And uh, Rusty's wife has decided to reboot Game of Thrones. Like, she they didn't watch every episode, or she has watched every episode. She's like, I'm going to start over. Start over episode one. I walk in the door, and there's brother and sister doing things brother and sisters ought not do. <laughs> And somebody got thrown off a roof, and I was like, I am out. I don't want anything to do with this. <laughs> I already knew I didn't want to watch this, and now I know I don't want to watch this. <laughs> I watched about 30 seconds of it, and I was like, I think we have a podcast to do. I'm going upstairs. So, oh, man. There you go. Major HR violations. Jeremy, it's great to have you on the show. Hopefully you're uh, having fun. <laughs> yeah, it does. It does great already. <laughs> Well, you know this is a NASCAR podcast because of course, so of course we have to talk uh, golf. <laughs> are you a uh, are you a golfer, Jeremy? <laughs> I, I I have a uh, let's say a liberal interpretation of the sport. Okay, uh, I think we are well aligned in uh, in this <laughs> respect. But it's uh, a, did uh, is, either is one of y'all get a to... drinking activity that involves striking a small ball and then trying to go find it? Because that's <laughs> well, what it is for okay, us. Okay, so I mean, so. <laughs> Since we're talking NASCAR and golf, so part of my, by the way, part of my experience, you know, getting involved directly with NASCAR is when I was at Microsoft, I had to uh, ask me to exec sponsor a couple uh, of accounts. And we can talk about that later. But anyways, I was exec sponsor of uh, NASCAR and PGA Tour. And so I got to, you know, spend time out on the on the greens with some pretty good folks and uh, out on the, uh, you know, on the infield with some others. And I just say that, uh, yeah, my... Uh, my golf game is a lot better for the NASCAR crowd than it is the PGA Tour crowd. <laughs> yeah, that yeah, checks out. So <laughs> I, I thought it was really cool, uh, you know, having followed golf for so long. Uh, Hideki Matsuyama uh, taking the green jacket this weekend, and uh, you know, in pretty dramatic fashion toward the end. There, it got a little dicey, but uh, I thought that was cool to see, Sherwin. Yeah, well, uh, he put it in the drink on fifteen, right, <laughs> and caught and gave up two strokes. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it was, yeah. No, I mean it's cool. A uh, uh, Japanese man's never even led the Masters, much less won it. So that was surprising to me. You know, there's some history there the, for sure. Yeah, given the you know the culture and the golfers come from from Japan. Oh yeah, there's like more bad. golf courses in Japan than there are like in the United States, and it's like the size <laughs> of California. Uh, that's it's cool. absurd. They they like golf in Japan. <laughs> Um, so Jeremy, why don't you tell us, uh, you know, I like to start this for first time guest. What's your NASCAR story? What got you into it? So I started my, in fact, a lot of people in NASCAR don't know this. I was a team owner at age 16. Oh my gosh. 
Goodness. Right after Days of Thunder, I came back. I spent a summer in Alaska working my butt off, came back with a wad of cash, and my buddies and I decided we were buying a race car, and we were going to go race at the 3-8 Clay Oval about 20 minutes away from home. So went out and bought an old Dodge Dart, got it all souped up and ready to go, and uh, come to find out none of our parents would let us drive. (laughs) So I had to go out and hire a driver. So we went out and found a 18 year old and he became our driver and, you know, long story, but let's just say it was a short story actually at the end of the day and quickly learned that it's a lot better to have friends that own the race team than your own race team. That is an expensive sport. So, uh, true story. Right. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, that was, that was back in the day. It was a lot of fun though. We were, we were kind of, uh, uh, motor heads back in the day, uh, put together, uh, rebuilt a 1969, uh, uh, Chevy and all this stuff. And anyways, fast forward college life, et cetera. I'd actually fallen, um, outside of NASCAR. I hadn't really watched it or anything. And then fast forward to my, uh, time at Microsoft. I, I'd been there before I came back second time, and uh, was leading windows marketing. And like I said, they'd asked me to, you know, sponsor exec sponsor, a couple of accounts and, I had one of my guys, Jason Campbell, who's uh, well-known to a lot of uh, NASCAR folks, too, come into my office. And he had a stack of these uh, contracts with all kinds of different airlines and banks. It was all interesting. And then towards the bottom, he didn't know me very well yet. You know, I, just, <laughs> I just come back. He goes, and there's this new contract with NASCAR. Yeah, I'll take that one. <laughs> that yeah. So, so anyways, that, that, that was my entry. So I dove in. I got to go... Uh, First race, the Charlotte race, I will forget how many years ago. Not too long ago, though. It's been, you know, it's been the last six, eight years. Got to go spend with uh, Robbie Benton and his Xfinity team at the time. Uh, that was my that was my first big race at Charlotte. I was hooked. Absolutely hooked. I think I spent, I think I was at 12 or 13 races that year after that. Wow. That is cool. You. It sounds like you and us were at Charlotte right around the same time. We've only been the one time, and it was... When was that, Rusty? Twenty fourteen. Uh, what's my shirt say? <laughs> uh, it says Coke six hundred. So about, obviously commemorating date? the experience. Is there a date back there? But yeah, no, I think it was twenty fourteen <laughs> when we went to Charlotte the first time. Uh, yeah, I mean it. It to your point, I think where you were kind of headed with that, Jeremy, is there is no substitute for actually seeing the thing happen in person yeah. and go, oh. Okay, this is something wildly different. Like football's awesome, baseball's awesome, yeah. tennis, golf, whatever it is that you like. When you see race cars doing race car stuff live, like it just changes the game. If you it's like just, cars. It's the whole experience. And of course, those of us are involved, all of us all of us say what you just said, right? Is that how do you get the experience, that track experience out to more people because we know there would be so many more fans and you know, frankly, it be, and it and it is. It's the cars. It is the or the teams or the drivers who are pro, approachable and uh, engaging with the fans. It's it's us. Those of us that are at the race. Everybody is friendly and having a good time. And it's the whole experience. And it, you know, when I uh, with my Windows team, because we ended up sponsoring, we in partner with Hendrick Motorsports and sponsored Dale Jr. and did some other work with some of the other drivers there. Uh, we had the opportunity to go to a lot of races and have some activations for, for the Windows brand. And it became a joke at my team and the surrounding team at Microsoft is who can go to a race and not become a fan. And I can't think of one person who, who won that bet. <laughs> <Because> <laughs> right. Everybody that went, every culture, no matter where they were from, what 
didn't matter. They were fans when they came back. And that's just the experience. I love it. I love it. I got goosebumps thinking about that. And, and yeah. I, especially with like the merch haulers and everything, then you go down there and you're like, well, I got to get me a hat. We, we talk about hats way too much on the show, but, uh, <laughs> <laughs> no, so you got your Hendrick hat. Oh, I've got my, I've got all kinds. I, heck, I, in fact, I sit here depending on, I've got my windows hat. I got my Pocono hat here. I've got my. <laughs> oh, I like windows. that Pocono hat. That's good stuff. Yeah, I know my Pocono hat. Uh, that was my snowmobile hat this year. That was, uh, everywhere I, uh, Roy that oh, that's, awesome. that's awesome. We actually but, uh, have created oh, yeah, a uh, you're, you're digital about... friendship with some of those guys. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Those, Pocono is one of my favorite places on earth. The, awesome. the, peep, the, the Dowskis and Ben and Kevin and the whole team there. I, I look, so, it is a highlight of my year to go to Pocono. <laughs> Uh, yeah, Kevin's actually been on our show before. I think he's on yeah. the uh, on the chat wall there. I see Pocono Raceway. Nice hat <laughs> in the, in the <laughs> chat. Oh, look at him go. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's yeah, that, cool. That's that cool. is such, I mean, seriously, I know Brent recommended it to you guys, too. And you guys have talked about going. But Absolutely. talk about a mix of, you know, I took my son there. Uh, I hang out with some guys, uh, Trackside Chef, uh, Chef Joel and Willie Ockmoody and some guys who bring all their family and it's amazing. You just have fun with your kids. They all have fun. You can have kids that you have fun as adults. It's just a, it is an awesome experience. I highly recommend it. I'm going to need to find me one of those windows 10 hats. Cause I think I'll get some street credit work and uh, you know, working at a software well, shop. We, but... I will, I will hook you up. I know some folks. <laughs> I, I'll buy it. I'll buy it. All right. I, I got to figure out where it's that easy. Done. We'll figure that out. Done. Yeah. To your point though, to, to go a little deeper than that, you're a hundred percent right. For anyone that has ever loved, like, what football is, like, obviously, being from the southeast like we are, football is king. Even if your team isn't the best one around, it's still a big part of what the college experience is and then the post-college experience. What NASCAR is, is it's a college football game for three days <laughs> right, right. <laughs> like you you don't have to worry about three hours where you're like i gotta get everything in you know we gotta pack this thing up we gotta get yeah. set up we, we gotta pack it out and uh, nascar you don't do that you right. just take your time you set it up as you go your beers <laughs> and then two days later you leave <laughs> right. yeah, you better you better be ready baby because it's a uh, you're in the you're in for the long haul uh, the by the time you get to the race uh, <laughs> yeah. wow this is yeah. a long fun weekend you know, Jeremy, now that I'm thinking about it, uh, this is where I might have to call in the favor because I can probably find a Windows 10 hat. But if you've got a Windows 95 hat, now I'm getting super street cred. <laughs> I, feel, I, I do not have one. I, I know. Well, it looked so. like he had something that had Windows and Dale Jr. on it. That oh, might well, be so, yeah, of so, interest. <laughs> yeah, so that's the, the 80. Well, you know, we sponsored Junior. In the oh, uh, first run, I remember that car. I remember yeah. that car. There you go. So that was a lot of fun. Um, Y'all nailed he, the paint uh, scheme on that one. That just the blue and white. That's fantastic. Yeah. So he, you know, did, as as Junior talks about a lot, he is uh, very involved in his uh, library design, and I will I will say he's yes. very involved. So that was that was Junior's design, and I remember my team brought it to me to prove it, and I was like, I don't really have any ability to do anything other than approve it so okay yeah <laughs> <laughs> i mean if, if junior knows his brand better than most people probably know his brand 
So <laughs> whatever helps his brand is going to help your brand. Yeah, exactly. It's like just ride the lightning, guys. I'm going with it. whatever he wants. You know, so we talked about it a little bit on what I call the pre-show, where we just sort of uh, chatted before we went live on YouTube and everything. But uh, you're sitting here talking to a couple of engineers slash scientists on this side of the mic, and wow. we're we're super interested in what goes on 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 your side of the mic there, um, and uh, especially the the STEM crossover that we were talking about before too, because uh, you know you, you've been involved in uh, engineering and technology companies this whole time. Um, what have uh, I guess from from your perspective, was uh, was the technology side something you gravitated toward, or was that something that just sort of fell in your lap and and you know you found your place there? Yeah, no, it was it was accidental. I uh, I was liberal arts, economics, and politics. Uh, ended up going to business school back east. Um, I got my MBA, so ended up looking for a job. I was looking for a job in strategy and product management, and just end up at uh, in technology. Frankly, I wasn't. I, and so it was really fortuitous that I did because uh, I get bored easily. I like fast pace. I like fast cars. <laughs> and so as you guys know, being in, in tech, in tech, that's the place to be for that type of environment. And so that worked really well. And, you know, mostly what I've done over my career is work with really smart folks like you to help build and take the market really compelling and exciting products. And it's been yeah, it, it's been fun. I get to do that now. And I'm a, a consulting company. I'm partnering a, a consulting company. We work with uh, in Apple and Amazon and Microsoft and other brands to do a bunch of strategy work. And so still, uh, you know, still get to have a lot of fun in it. Yeah, yeah, that's uh, it's super cool. And I, I want to learn so much about that side of it just because, again, it's something that I, I'm not involved in on a uh, on a day to day basis. You know, one thing uh, I was thinking about in, in writing up our show notes uh, what what is it like for uh, for uh, your uh, uh, wife or family or something to watch commercials with you? Are you uh, are you one that's going? Oh, no, come this, on. no, this is <laughs> this is a really good. Like you guys are talking about in engineering or technology, the differences. And so uh, I suck. I am not a branding guy. So okay. I'm not creative. I can barely dress myself. Okay? <laughs> so, and my, my wife would be watching this and go, yeah, that's exactly right. <laughs> um, so if you look at the, the marketing, uh, I'm in the world of marketing strategy. So I'm better at mm. working with technologists and product and the strategy side. Who's your customer? What's their unmet need? What price are they willing to pay, et cetera? Okay. And then after we work on the strategy, then I can turn that over to the actual creative folks who then go out and do the magic of advertising. And that's where I'm just in awe. So I, I'm in the middle where I'm looking at the folks who are building the product, just in awe of what they're able to do. Then the people on the other side who are creating all these amazing advertisement stuff. I'm, so I, I get to be in awe on both sides. Yeah, yeah, uh, that's uh, that's super cool. Um, what yeah, From your perspective then, what are what are some things you know talk about NASCAR? Well, I, I think it, it took us however long this is to start talking NASCAR. But what are what are some things that you think you know you're you're looking from the outside going, hey NASCAR's doing this right, uh, and and what are maybe some things that you're like, hey man, maybe NASCAR ought to try this or that. Yeah, so I um, I'm really excited about the sport. I think that there's a lot of really good energy. Um, I think some of the changes that uh, Phelps and team have done are just really, I got to know Steve some when we were with Microsoft, I think he was chief marketing officer at the time before he moved on to where he's doing now, but, and the whole team, it's not just Steve's whole team. I think realizing to really embrace the core fan 
but then understand that we still need to move the sport forward. Mm-hmm. And so we still need to try new things. We need to make it interesting. We need, there's all kinds of changes that are coming. So I'm excited. I'm excited about, uh, you know, I'm not, I don't think that every move is, made is the right move. I, mean, I, I like trial and error. I mean, heck, we're in technology, right? Trial and error is name of the game. So you can always be right. But, but I'm, I'm excited about the momentum. I think that the COVID time that we had, uh, you know, of course, a horrible time. But I think the way that NASCAR performed and our sport performed during that time was just awesome. It allowed us to, whether it's eNASCAR and some of the new format and midweek races, you know, got a whole new audience of people. I know I've, I'm talking to people now at work and other places who before have not been talking about the sport. So I'm, I'm really bullish and excited about it. Um, there's some things, I have one one real big issue. Um, <laughs> uh, there we go. One really big issue as a marketer that I am very concerned about, and that's the single lug uh, lug wheel. Mm. So that's that's the one where I feel like we may be making a really, really, really big misstep. You know, I was sitting there just listening uh, to Martinsville this weekend, and I mean, what do you hear? Even if you're not a NASCAR fan, you hear a pit stop and you hear that gun going, you know it's NASCAR. I mean, that, that is that is brand that is our brand oh and so from a marketing strategist you know not only just a fan just, oh, I, I love the human element of the pit stop and the whole team having to work together to get it out and you know the, the experience i've been able to have with hendrick motorsports and some of my friends there i mean i just really really appreciate that but then from a marketing strategy perspective beyond that it's like wow to give up that emblematic experience is just painful to me so anyway Bullish overall, but oh, so painful. About so, up. so, and this is where this is where it gets weird because you being on the marketing side of whatever this equation is that we're talking about, this is where all that comes from. Is the reason for the single lug for the 2022 car? If we actually do go to it next year, it sounds like we're probably still going to do that. Is they want to go to aluminum wheels because they want this cool looking wheel. So yeah. whatever the young crowd is goes, ah oh, man, that that's a cool looking wheel. And the problem is with five studs, if you miss one on an aluminum wheel, you will break that wheel. <laughs> True. Yeah, so you know what? I've, I've had a lot of conversations in my life with, you know, as the Fox strategy guy with the technologist, right? Saying, like, here's the market requirements. Market requirements that we need to come up with a cool looking wheel that's five, five lugs. So now let's put our head together and figure that out. And it doesn't have to be aluminum necessarily. Well, the irony is um, the streetcar that you like the wheel design mm-hmm. that's powder coated aluminum. Mm-hmm. Uh, has four or five studs on it. Yeah. It's not a single look. Yeah. So sure. why do we need that for NASCAR? And unless you figure out how to put more gas in it in 12 seconds than we currently do, <laughs> you're just going to watch these guys run back across the wall while the gas can man is just, just watching gas. Watch. <laughs> yeah, so you know, I go to, uh, you know, I'm lucky enough to, go to some F1 races. And so I get to see some of the other sports and NHRA. So I, you know, I, I love it all. I'm an equal opportunity guy. NASCAR is my home. I love that the most, but I, but I will say, you know, because of that, when you go to an F1 race, you, you know, so many people talk about this. It's so true. It's just not the same. It is not the same with those pit stops. So, well, it's not for a couple different reasons. I mean, those cars are absolutely beautiful. The way they corner 
at the speeds that they corner is fascinating. And that's why I will on occasion watch it. But the fact that they never have to fuel the car, I'm like, well, this is so much different than NASCAR. It's different enough for me to go, okay, I appreciate what's happening right here. I appreciate the technology and the money spend on the car. But I'm like, the (laughs) experience may not be what I'm looking for. I want to see all those guys running around. Maybe they're doing something a little bit different, you know, like, you know, they went through a couple different iterations of choreography with pit crews where like one guy would put the first tank in and then the right rear changer would come around and he grabbed the gas tank and the, the gas tank guy would change the left. Like, you know what I mean? There's all kinds of stuff that they Isn't were doing. That, I mean, that's the fascinating part, right? And mm-hmm. as we've made some crew changes over the last, you know, a couple seasons and stuff, you see that choreography change. And I mean, for those of us who watch it closely, I mean, that is a huge part of the sport. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it, it. I mean, it made a huge difference when they took away the catch can man. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, which where they were able to do by having the closed loop fuel system where it just it plugs in and it it close it seals itself where it used to just plug in and go. Gas might go everywhere. We're not sure what's happening around here. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you know, one thing I wanted to to ask you about, um, and and this is uh, who knows what kind of can of worms this opens up. But it's it's the uh, it's a, a KPIs or we'll say measures for success in your mind on on different like marketing campaigns or, or how things go. One thing that I thought about recently was I was reflecting on, I will say, a uh, I think it was a Super Bowl commercial or something that I saw. And, and it was a um, this was probably more than a decade ago, maybe 15 years ago now. But they did this whole Before the word meme was really around, they did this whole meme commercial, and Burt Reynolds was in it, and there was some dude in a bear costume, and some dude got kicked between the legs, and I thought it was the (laughs) most hilarious commercial I've ever seen. The the whole point was just to be silly with it, but I can't tell you for the life of me what that what they were. What the product was. What what the product was. (laughs) That's that's exactly what I was going to ask you. What's the recall? Yeah. Now on the on the flip side of that. I, I the the recent campaign with Bush beer. What do we all know? Crack a beer and Bush. Yeah. And I'm like, that is genius. They they have their name in the the meme or in the in the thing that they're doing. And so I don't know. I'm a, I'm a marketing novice, but those two things that I thought of what what was something that I remember from a long time ago. But I you know I remember the thing, but I don't remember the the product versus uh, something like that. Um, but. I don't know. Maybe I'm way off base, but curious, you know, your your thoughts on those type of things, Jeremy. No, so my thoughts are, and I just I just you know debate with some really smart chief marketing officers who are mm-hmm. spending you know, hundreds of millions of dollars on on advertising like this, and so I'll say it's a constant debate. But my personal uh, belief, and you, I think you gave two great examples, is hey, you can go out with a gimmick. And maybe have some people, just like you said, remember some of your your advertisement. Maybe even if you're lucky, remember your brand. But I'm not sure that makes them actually go make any decision. Whereas if you can actually embrace your target customer, understand what that target customer is about, what they want, the way that they live, the way they make decisions, and be able to communicate to him or her directly, then you really do it. And I think Bush is a great example. I'm glad you brought that example up because I think Bush has done an amazing job of just you know embracing their inner redneck, right? <laughs> yes. Yeah. It's like I I drink Bush Light now. Bush <laughs> good, good Bush Latte, right? Yes. 
It's like, wow, here is a brand that really knows what they mean. I'm going to talk directly to my target customers. I'm not going to worry about anybody else. And I'm going to embrace that. And so that's a good example. Yeah. 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 Especially with this crowd it being as loyal to the consumer product industry as NASCAR fans typically yeah. are. It It's just the right angle at at the right time and the right approach. I mean, just just a dude in a red and black flannel shirt <laughs> yeah. and some Wranglers going, Bush. Right, right. And, it's like, and then, like, the guy that was like, I didn't even see him over there. And he's like, that's kind of what camo does. <laughs> you know, like, moving on. <laughs> I'm not sure if you guys have seen the, the Bush Latte Man from Minnesota or wherever he is, the whole YouTube and stuff's going on. I mean, they, they cultivate then this whole, you know, system of of their customer that just creates all this amplification beyond their commercials. And that's really the key. And by the way, if we take this to, you know, sponsors and brands, because I'd often get this question, whether it's people in NASCAR or outside of NASCAR is what, why does, why don't these big brands come into NASCAR and put their brand on a car? And I'll tell you, you know, I had a multi-billion dollar marketing budget and I still had to justify every single dollar that I spent mm -hmm. on anything, including NASCAR. Yeah. And you had to really set that up. And so, you know, people <clears throat> and all market, you know, all marketers and chief marketer, marketing officers are having to do that. So it's, it's really tough. And by the way, it, of course, it's really expensive to get your brand on a car. But then you've got to think about, well, wait, that's not enough. I've also got to activate on digital. I've got to have my TV commercial. I've got to do something at the track. So you multiply that two or three times, it's a, it's a huge investment. Yeah. So well, to yeah. your point on that, sorry to interrupt you, Rusty, but I've, I've caught some flack recently over my perspective on where NASCAR needs to try to focus their energy in terms of developing marketing for teams mm -hmm. or at least opening opportunities is because your number one activation opportunity is a consumer who can purchase your product at wherever they purchase products. And, and so if you're marketing a piece of software for a business, they don't, they don't connect with that. You know, I mean, most of us have used Windows because we've all had an IBM-based computer at some point in our life. Or, you know, with Macintosh, everybody's got, I mean, we're all. I've, I mean, I got iPhones running out of my shorts over here. I, I got have an iPhone. I got three. I can see three iPhones right now. I have an iPhone you know, propping I mean, up <laughs> this laptop right now so that it stays cool. I'm even dead. me, even me. <laughs> <laughs> I'm dead so your number one, I mean, activation is the thing that they spend the most on in terms of getting. Can I get my customers in a really cool booth? Can I get them in the pits? Can they meet a driver, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. But your number one activation is, can I get dude who saunters up with his cutoff shirt and his jean shorts and his flip-flops, you know, and can I get him to buy my product? Because that, that's your activation is, yeah. can you, yeah. can that person go buy your product? And that's where Bush is in a good position. <laughs> right. That's where Miller Lite's been in the past. Budweiser's been in the past. Is right. I can go buy this. Or like Home Depot. Rednecks are known for fixing stuff. <laughs> Same thing with Lowe's. I can go to Home Depot and I can buy any tool I need to fix whatever or tear up whatever. You know <laughs> yeah. how it goes. <laughs> yeah. But 
you know, you can't go buy an Eris. You know, like, I don't, uh, router, uh, that comes from the internet company. I don't even, <laughs> I, don't, I, don't know what I don't know what that is. You know, <laughs> like, yeah. now, what I mean. I will say, because I've, I've been involved in a lot of different sports, and uh, what I will say, you're dead on, number one, you're spot on. In fact, when we got involved in Windows, the reason why this was relevant and strategic for Windows is at the time when we were launching Windows 10, you guys were probably because we're trying to upgrade a bunch of people from Windows 7. Yep. That was a key motion for us. It was a free upgrade. And so if you look at the time of uh, the customers who had Windows 7, a lot of them were NASCAR demographic. And so it made total sense for us as a brand to come in there and tell that story. And by the way, the ROI was huge for us because the strategy was right. But now, you know, what you're saying, Andrew, is about some of these brands that are, are not direct consumer engagement, what I think some brands may not take advantage of enough is the B2B aspect of it, the business to business aspect mm-hmm. of it. And you, you kind of hinted on that when you're talking around coming down to pits and stuff. I'll tell you, you know, when you go to the Super Bowl or you go to the Masters, you know, the sports have a really well set up, you know, high end VIP, you know, you're whining and dining and signing big contracts. I'll tell you, I have brought some very high level, you know, Fortune 100 execs to NASCAR and they have loved it. I mean, loved it because it's so unique and the experience is so unique. But that doesn't happen a lot, right? Outside of Daytona, you know, Daytona 500, there's a lot of execs walking around and stuff. But anyways, I think it's an untapped, a less, not untapped, but actually some really fertile ground for some of these brands to actually do better engagement and bring in some of these VIPs and give them, you know, our NASCAR experience that's pretty unique. Well, to your point on that, so, and this is, and I'm not poo-pooing the idea of, of B2B relationships being what the primary role is for sponsors in the sport is, but it is getting that, you know, getting that extra, that, that whatever that umbrella of activation is, even within the, the company that says, I'm going to write a check for this amount of money so I can be on this car. You need that person to walk through the garage. And when they're doing not carb check anymore, but you know, fuel injection check where they're <laughs> testing RPM levels and they yeah. crank the car up and fire it up to, you know, 8,000 RPM yeah. to make sure that it's still running. Yeah. You need that guy. You need that guy or that gal to go, Holy shit, that is so cool. I, I don't <laughs> yeah. even know what's going on. I'm st- it's loud, but it's awesome. <laughs> yeah. I love that I love that perspective. No, that's yeah, that's right. I mean the number of people I've asked, like, well, wait a minute, the brand exposure is so much. It's like brand exposure is cheap. I I'm not gonna I'm not paying much for brand exposure. I've gotta pay I am paying to like you guys are saying, is to have somebody take some action whether I sign a B2B contract or to buy a product or to upgrade windows, it's gotta be something that comes out. of it. Yeah. Yeah. That, that's an interesting perspective. And, and maybe one that I hadn't thought about was, you know, maybe there's this, uh, I don't know, $10 million deal here, or maybe a hundred million dollar deal here with uh, a B2B experience versus, uh, what would I call it? A million $1 deals with, uh, with a, you know, consumer brand. Um, not something I've, I've thought of before. And, you know, one thing, I was thinking about before uh, with what we were talking about was NASCAR fans are very impressionable. And Sherman was kind of talking about that. I mean, Sherman, how many Budweiser's did we drink when Casey Kane was 
Well, it was after that car, but uh, by the way, Washington State, Casey. King. There you go. Yeah, yeah. Enum Cla- Enum Claw. Enum Claw. Yeah. Right. I love it. And Very many, much. And so, so we were many, Casey Kane junkies. How and many Budweisers have we drank since then? You know. <laughs> but, like, so Budweiser, because they started sponsoring Casey, they created an entire new beverage. And I had to have it. Uh, to to get to the light people that didn't want to drink Bud Light, so they created Bud Select for Casey <laughs> during during Casey's campaign. Now he was always Budweiser. He always had Budweiser on the car. They only they only ran Bud Select like one time. It was absolutely gorgeous car. But Rusty and I drank Bud Select like it was going out of style, and we were Miller Lite guys before that. Yeah, yeah. And we're Miller Lite guys now. But I mean, we drink. You know, we're all over the map. You're in Seattle, so you're in the original hotbed for micros. Like we're IPA junkies, ports. I mean, stouts. You name it. We're all over the map. But when it comes down to it, at the end of the day, if it's hot outside and I want a beer. I want a Miller Lite. <laughs> yeah. No, I'm, I, so I'm not even. So my best friend's a number two guy. So we we have a nice little. Uh, that that's our uh, that's our bed every every weekend. So, but I'm a I'm a Miller Lite guy because because they're a NASCAR. They're a NASCAR. They spawn for NASCAR. So I'm either doing a Bush latte or a Miller Lite. Even though <laughs> well, if somebody nice handed me a Bush, I would be happy to drink it. Yeah. Even though I'm not a Kevin Harvick fan, because yeah, I no, love. I'm not a, yeah. I just the commercials, the branding, the the fact that. Anheuser Busch InBev still wants to be a part of the sport. I, I love exactly all of that, right. so I'm I'm happy to support it. You yeah, know, that's exactly right. <laughs> and sure. honestly, I'd rather have a Bush Light than a Budweiser or a Bud Light. I think it's a better <laughs> beer. Yeah. I'd rather have a Natty than a Budweiser or a Bud. So now Light. Going, that's a that may be a couple inches too far. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, over the line. <laughs> <laughs> well, I know how they're made and why and what the recipes are because i know somebody who works for uh budweiser in cartersville georgia so uh, <laughs> there's not a lot of difference as it turns out, <laughs> as it turns out. So, I, grew up, I grew up in a really small town logging town fishing town where uh, we drank warm uh, natty light occasionally we couldn't get anything else and mm. i hope to never go back <laughs> that was well i understand beer, beer of choice back in uh back in college one thing i did want to ask about was uh i saw um, uh, th- this kind of jogged my memory. Uh, the next uh, uh, NASCAR, not NASCAR, whatever you call it, the uh, uh, eSports Pro Invitational is going to be up to a fan vote to determine the non-Cup Series driver. Now, uh, that, that probably is fine nowadays, but I would say maybe 10, 12 years ago, leaving something up to an Internet vote was kind of <laughs> marketing suicide, I would say. And that that's how we get, you know... Uh, uh, I won't even say names, but awful people to be elected the, you know, uh, uh, whatever <laughs> yeah, right. uh, thing or, or Bodie McBoatface. I remember that one. That is interesting. I did not know that. So that really is. And now I'm curious. I may have to go talk to people, figure out the strategy. Of <laughs> so uh, for a while there, online voting was kind of like a, I'll call it a marketing no-no. And I was curious, Jeremy, from your perspective, are there some like other marketing notes? Like people are like, "Oh, we could do this," and you go, "No, this is what's going to happen." And and my wife deals with this a lot because she runs commencement for Georgia Tech, and and she uh, uh, people will say like, "Oh, no, we should do blah blah blah," and she's like, "No, the students will tear that down." 
Like, uh, you know, that, that's just what happens. Like, and so, uh, if, if there's like some, uh, from your perspective, marketing, no, no's that, that, that you hear no-nos. about, uh, I say marketing, uh, I mean, one of the, I guess one of the basis principles is never ask a question you don't know the answer to. Um, so that, that, that kind of, that broadly goes into what you're talking about. It's like yeah. more of a, uh, Hey, this, this can get out of control. Um, so that's, that's one I, um, uh, that's one I, I think about, um, I also think about when you were asking about advertising and some of that stuff creative before. Um, normally, if, uh, if an advertisement is really embraced internally by a company, that is a red flag. Mm. Normally. As normally, the, the, you know, particularly you know, engineers and marketers and others, we're typically not the customer, right? And so it's really like trying to figure out what the customer is going to resonate with the customer. So always when I'm when I'm talking about strategy or if I'm in a group with uh, you know, some executives and everybody's going around the room, nodding their head like, oh, that is great. Red flag. Not necessarily means it's bad. It's just like, hey, let's make sure that this really resonates with, uh, you know, our, our Bush latte guys if we're selling <laughs> Bush versus, uh, you know, a bunch of middle-aged white guys sitting around a boardroom. That's Yeah. Well, and that's important. Uh, I mean, that makes a lot of sense because you're right. Like if everybody in the room is drinking the Kool-Aid, then... You know, you're probably not drinking the same Kool-Aid as your customers drinking. <laughs> yeah, that's you know, that's right. And so many, you know, a lot of a lot of time is spent on uh, and on engineering people actually creating product, uh, trying to sell product on things that the company or the brand thinks is cool. You know, faster, better, you name it, right? But you know, not necessarily resonating with the target customer. So I think a little bit of effort, spend some time. You know, try to put yourself in their shoes, understand how they're making decisions, how they're spending their hard-earned dollars, why they're spending their hard-earned dollars, what choices they have. Then figure out, okay, now how am I going to make it easy for them to choose my product? That's really the, you know, that's really the science. Well, so that, you just said it, you said the words, and this is why I'm, I, I, I've been cussed out multiple times on Twitter for saying <laughs> something along these lines. But what you just said is what makes sense that aligns and I'm not just agreeing with you because it aligns with my perspective, but make it easy for the customer to choose your product. Oh, exactly. And that's that's where I think NASCAR has slipped a little bit on consumer-based advertising versus B2B. Does B2B work? Absolutely it does. We know why it works. There's a whole lot of science and math and accounting behind why those things are working for NASCAR teams. What they don't, they don't, you know, they don't target the, you know, Joe and Fred and Franny and May who show up in the campground in a tent, you know, you know, with a, with a little Weaver grill and their hamburgers. Right. We'd be exactly (laughs) And you, it is anything that they have bought to come to that race, somebody that's on a car. Well, if there's not, then that's a miss because that's your audience. I think so. I mean, I, I, I so agree with what you're saying, but I don't see it as big of a trade-off. So I see in today's age and the way that we can market to different audiences, I think it's, I think it's a, a miss if we have that. By the way, I love the infield experience. That is the 
<laughs> that is such a huge part. Just going around, I, I could tell you guys stories and show you pictures. Of, Talladega, of, baby. Talladega, Trust I've been multiple times. Uh, <laughs> I, I usually my my uh, coach is usually in a controlled area, but I go out to the normal areas. Um, the uh, uh, be able to get away from some of it, but it was. But no, man. I mean, seriously, I go around and tour and go have breakfast with people and sit in their coaches and talk to them about how and why and where they came from. It is an amazing experience. And so what, what I agree, Sherman, is that like if, if we as, as, a, as a sport are trying to convince those people, if, if they we're taking any of their mind share with that B2B brand, it's a miss. I totally agree. But in today's day and age of marketing and the way that we can separate channels and the way we can have different communications through two different channels, it's, it's not a trade-off. It's just up to marketers to do a better job of making sure the right audience is getting that right message. Well, and so to your point on that and, and why it is valuable for the B2B side of what the sponsorship sport has, you know, part of the sport has become is you're not just selling, you know, some VP on the idea that going to a race is fun. Yay. No, you're selling your software or whatever it is you're consulting to a company like Hendrick Motorsports, for instance, that has sure. almost a thousand employees, but in addition to that, outside the race team has over a hundred dealerships exactly. that need EORP programs to manage all of their accounting and inventory. Mm-hmm. So, like, I understand that, like, the finance around that makes a whole lot of sense. But Johnny and Johnny Junior that show up to the race, they don't understand that they they want m&ms and daddy wants miller light or bud light or whatever you know what i mean like it's it's kind of a different animal i can i completely agree and you know we're doing by the way the sport is you know i was complaining about lug nuts earlier and we're talking about some of the changes that are coming uh, mainly good you know some challenging but a huge part of this is to reduce the cost of operations right because i was Frankly, I was floored at the cost of sponsorship when I first got involved. Like I said, it was a hard justification to be be involved. We had a strategy behind it that made sense, so we we made the investment. But I've had, you know, whether it's for Hendrick, you know, I spent a lot of time with the team. I have a lot of close friends there. Pat Perkins, who runs marketing, Marshall, all, and we've I've been involved in a lot of those conversations with potential sponsors, or or for NASCAR, I've helped out there too, trying to introduce some more technology brands. Uh, in the sport. It's a hard conversation. And so the, all the efforts that are going on to reduce the cost, cost of entry so that more brands and more relevant consumer brands and more relevant, you know, the type of brands you're talking about can get into the sport, that's all goodness. And and I will tell you, I can't get into the specifics, but I'll tell you the cost of entry has dramatically decreased over the last few years. So yeah. now we'll be able to have more conversations with more brands, and that helps me be bullish about what we have coming hopefully in the next few years. Well, the based on everything that I've seen, Jeremy, um, the cost of running a cup team week to week is going to drop from somewhere around $1.2 million to about 600000 Yeah, it's a factor like that. It is... You know, you heard some of these contracts, not to name some, they were 40 million plus for a year. And now we're down to, you know, some of the top contracts, you know, half, less than half of that. You know, that just happened over less than a decade. We see what's happening with next gen car, some of the team restrictions that are happening. It's, 
in terms of reducing that cost of entry, it is it is goodness. And I think it will be able that combined, I think, with the excitement that we're generating this sport with fans and some new fans, I am bullish that we're gonna see some more some more brands with DoorDash. I and mean, look at some of these players. You've got DoorDash and some of the other ones that are coming. I I, I Well, I mean, just think about it from this from an excitement perspective, think about you know, Michael Jordan and Bubba Watson now own a a piece of a car that runs in cup. Yeah. You know, uh, freaking uh, Pitbull run. Pitbull, exactly. He owns a piece of a car yeah. that LeBron. runs we in cup. LeBron last week. Like, you know, we, we've got this, the diversity profile has certainly opened up, but it's not just diversity. It's, it's crossover between sports. Like, you've got a golfer, you've got the greatest basketball player who ever lived, and you've got an R&B singer who everybody knows who he is. Yeah. And he's Cuban. Yeah. He's Cuban right. American. And so all that's good. That's all good. Yeah. And Everything we're doing it. it, and this is one of the things I like that Phelps and team have talked about. We're doing it without moving away from the core fan. Right? We're not trying to change who we are. We're still embracing what NASCAR is. We're trying to reduce the cross. We're trying to attract some more people into the tent, and we're being successful about it. Um, well, so, so at the same time that the sport may be running away from the old school guy or running him out just because they're like, ah, oh, man, I miss the days when they used to smoke cigarettes and win races no, by 11 laps. I, those in my life. Yep. I, I mean, and so that lore is great. It's on, it's in history books and it's, it's on film in a history movie, but we're now it's 2021 and we have to recreate that audience and the way to do that is we have to bring, you know, the age five to age 15 people to the point where they're like, I can't miss this. I, I, I got to have it. Mm-hmm. I got to have race cars in my life and that's it. Definitely. And that, you know, that means that, okay, so if you jettison 65 to 80, mm-hmm. I'll take 15 to 15 because they've got 60 years of money to spend in the sport. Yeah. As long as we're true to our brand. I mean, I, I was not involved as NASCAR in this mid period of my life where we, you know, I think we, when I look back, it looks like the brand moved away and tried to become mainstream per se. And so I think so long as we embrace what we are, we are about racing. We are about these personalities. We are about you know, small roots. There's some really core things that we're about. And so long as we embrace those as we try to attract those new audiences. And we do innovative well, things like eNASCAR and bring in some new audiences. Well, and and to your point, they they really have done a pretty good job of analyzing the situations that get a little weird and uh, and been pretty cool with it. Like, doing this, <laughs> NASCAR's kind of like, eh, eh, he was mad. Okay, whatever. Yeah, well, Oh yeah, come on! Some of the rivalries and some of the, the stuff ups and kerfuffles, and I mean, it's, that's what makes our sport. Come on, I think we all enjoy it. They don't even uh, find them anymore for it. They don't even like. They just go, yeah, that's okay. Yeah, yep. All right, that's fine. Yeah, I however you do it, say so you do it. If know, they're talking about us because you flick somebody off, that's better than them not talking about us. <laughs> I think that's exactly. I think that's part of our brand, though. I think embracing that. You know, we can't. It, you know, there's of course limits and lines and all those types of things, but I think having some of those just visceral reactions and having some, you know, really strong, uh, you know, 
strong folks and some strong personalities involved is like like Kyle Bush. My son and I, and my son's a big fan. So my son, I remember <laughs> we were standing next to Kyle Bush, and I said, "Will, do you want to get Kyle's Kyle's signature?" He's like, "Hell no," you know. And so <laughs> like neither one of us, you know, we're just not Kyle Bush fans. But oh my god, having Kyle in the sport, I would. It is awesome having Kyle in the sport, right? And those personalities, even the ones that you're not a big fan of, if they can bring something and bring some tension and bring some emotion to the sport, like, come on, bring it in. Well, yeah. I mean, not to hyper-focus on that particular bucket, but yes, Kyle Busch is absolutely wonderful for NASCAR. He is NASCAR to a T, because what he does is he pisses off half the people and half the people are impressed by what he's doing. And everybody knows his name. And that's, that's, that's it's Vegas, baby. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I feel like we've gotten like uh, almost an hour of free consulting here. I, it's probably, a, I don't know, a billion dollars worth. <laughs> we've, <laughs> we've been, you know, one thing I, w- I was wondering in, in, uh, in your current, uh, speaking of consulting, in your current uh, consulting uh, firm, um, how many times has somebody come to the table and you go, well, you know, there's there's NASCAR. Have you thought about that yet? <laughs> is that, a, is that yeah, a so, no, we've been I have. Uh, yeah, I have introduced uh, quite a few uh, folks and brands to NASCAR. Uh, so, yeah, that's I, And uh, by the way, I find that to be an absolute pleasure. I get to, you know, I get to bring some folks, uh, some executives from some of the brands. I find it an amazing opportunity to take some of my clients, be able to go out you know, on the and you guys. So taking one of those executives to a race and being able to spend all day with them in an authentic situation, it is gold for me. But then when they see the sport, it, uh, it, it's good. So I'm a big evangelist. I think there's some more brands, not all brands. It's not a sport for all brands like we were talking about earlier. But um, I think what we're going, the road we're going down is good. And I, I'm going to keep uh, introducing some more. Fantastic. You know, um, rock and roll. We're um, we're looking forward to getting back to the track. Sherwin, did you get your second poke, or was that next week? I can't remember. Tuesday next week. Tuesday next week. Okay, just got mine on Friday, so I'm I'm over the hump now. I'm in Passiveville. Let's uh, you know wait until uh, till it's time to you know get back to the track. So we'll uh, we'll let. I'm your telling you, as soon as Brandon says. <laughs> I'm out, I'm gonna call Brandon as soon as we're done on the show, and and then if he says yes, I'm buying the ticket to, to Scranton Wilkes Bar. That's happening. There you go. Boom, boom. <laughs> I love it. Uh, I I cannot not do it. Keep me uh, keep me updated on the progress on that. I'm looking forward to it. Um, uh, Jeremy, do you have uh, plans to go to a track here shortly? <clears throat> I'm just kind of waiting for it to break open. You know, I've had lots of buddies invite me to, uh, you know, different races or, you know, go with the team, et cetera. And it, like we were talking earlier, I think before the, before the show, is just wait till it gets back to normal. You know, I'm an infield guy. I love hanging out and doing all the infield stuff. So when we get back to that, that, you know, sign me up, but, uh, but I'll wait until then. Absolutely. So I, I, I'll tell you what, I, I feel like I've been waiting for a year and a half now. Uh, well, just over a year, I guess, cause it was Atlanta that we were supposed to go to. And, and I, and I remember texting Sherwin or calling Sherwin and I was like, dude, I'm, I'm just not, I'm not feeling it. And I'm talking about 30 minutes later, they're like, we've canceled the race. And, uh, and that yeah. kind of started the whole ordeal. And, um, and it has been since then, I, you know, hadn't been to a race obviously at all last year. Cause that would have been our first one. So the last one before that, I can't even remember what it would have been because we were, uh, 
uh, you know, going to Georgia Tech games in the fall. So uh, either way, probably Darlington? Question mark? Sherwin? Uh, <laughs> yeah, maybe that. Yeah, because Bristol was in the fall. Um, yeah, I think it was Darlington of 2019, the last race we were actually at. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, so. so, Jeremy, just for a brief history, like our relationship with Landon Motor C- Speedway looks a whole lot like this. Hey, are y'all coming to the race? Yep, we're planning on coming to the race. Okay, well, here are your credentials, and here's your sticker that says, no way can tell you where you can't go. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I love that. And, I love and that. so, like, it's even better than, it's almost as good as a hard card. I love that. And it's like, you know, I mean, even the person that gave it to us that runs their social media was like, did you go everywhere you're supposed to go? We're like, yeah. She's like, did you find a place that maybe you shouldn't have been? Yeah, we (laughs) found that too. And she's like, good, that's what you were supposed to do. (laughs) We knocked on the door of... uh, That's what that sticker's for. Go somewhere where somebody tells you no. (laughs) And tell them no, I've got a sticker. I look forward (laughs) to hanging out with you guys at Pocono when time allows... uh, like I said, uh, infield, when I say infield, by the way, I mean like camping. I love the camping experience, the cooking <laughs> out, the going and hanging out with other fans. Yes. So I cannot wait. We, we have tent camped at Atlanta Motor Speedway for 15 years. Yep. Yeah. That, and, and people are like, well, yeah, you guys could probably do a camper. And we're like, yeah, but. We could. It's Whoa. not the same thing as being in the campground with the tent folk. Yeah. Well, so I was going to do that at Pocono, and I was talking <laughs> to Ben, uh, Ben May, and he's like, uh, the first year I went to Pocono, was a beautiful weekend. I mean, absolutely gorgeous. We had a beautiful weekend the entire weekend. So I said, hey, I'm bringing my son back. We're going to pitch a tent. And he's like, uh, you know, I, this weekend we're getting some maybe some weather. I'm like, I don't know. It's going to be fine. So anyway, we end up staying with a couple buddies in, in their trailer, but Oh man, we got one of those Pocono storms, and those there were a lot of tent campers, and those are serious campers. I respect those folks. We've we've been in some of that. I well, Bristol <laughs> Bristol Spring ran us off <laughs> because we we had a couple bad experiences there because uh, we were in the bottoms down there by the drag strip, and you don't want to be in the bottoms when the rain starts at Bristol. <laughs> yeah, it just it doesn't it just doesn't work out good. Gentlemen, and you missed a few races. And go ahead, Rusty. We're well. We're running up on time, so I wanted to make sure that we got to our picks here. And I'm going to go ahead and play it. Here it is. I kind of whoa! Look out! I might have played that. Oh yeah, we we skip. So Jeremy, this is the perfect kind of podcast because we skipped our entire show sheet. (laughs) We basically didn't do any of it. Right. Which means you were so interesting that we didn't need it. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. So let's see. Martin. I'm Trek. sorry. I'm sorry for your listeners. <laughs> no, not so at all. We, we may have up. we may have to do some what we call after dark on the YouTube <laughs> if you're willing to stick around for about 15 minutes. <laughs> we'll hit some of the show sheet after that does that won't show up on iTunes. <laughs> there you go. Martin Truex run, uh, won. Jennifer Joe Cobb's going to make her debut. Uh, let's see. Greg Galding and Joe Graff Jr. fought. Um, cool article that I was going to talk about. Maybe we'll talk about that a little bit. Uh, blah, blah, blah. Who cares? Let's talk about Richmond. Um, so uh, going to Richmond. And uh, you know what? It's it's really time to do some picks. So, Jeremy, we let our guest go first. So please uh, inform us who you got for Richmond. 
Well, I'll tell you what, I'm loyal to a fault. So I'm, I'm a Hendrick guy overall. So I, my question is always, which of the four cars is going to end up in victory lane? This year has been, uh, we've been running pretty good, but you know, I'm not even looking at stats. I, I cannot wait to get Bowman the 48 into victory lane. And so I, I'm picking Bowman this weekend. Bowman. I love it. Good, good stuff. So Sherwin, last week, for the first time in like five weeks, uh, I picked Joey for the double. You beat me. And he uh, he finished sixth. And uh, Blaney, who you picked, finished 11th. So, good sir, it is your uh, your turn for, uh, for a pick. Well, I'm going to go total homer. Since I didn't last week, which was probably <laughs> a good idea, even though he finished second. Yes. And was running down the leader coming to the finish. I'm picking Chase Elliott. My well, man. Another good, another good pick. Well done. I, this, uh, here's what's so hard is I was, I was all ready for my pick. Even before this last weekend's race, I'm like, all right, I got to beat on this thing. He's, he's already won last two out of three there. He's always finishing high there. And then he goes and wins Martinsville. So I'm going for the double two weeks in a row. So mm-hmm. double, double here. We're going Truex. And, and you know, it, it, it feels like what I'm doing here is uh, the, the board. Uh, I'm playing roulette, and it just went red. So obviously it's going to go red again. Uh, but it went black, so I'm like, okay, well, well, obviously it's going to do, it's going to do black again. Oh uh, yeah. And so I, I, I keep picking the double. Well, so I feel like what I have you need. <laughs> Say it again, Sherwin. Well, you need, um, you need. Sorry, I don't know if my internet's cutting out or yours. I can't tell, but you need seventy laps or less. Because Truex's new tire roasting Jeff. Because <laughs> uh, if Chase is in second and there's 90 laps to go, Chase is winning the race. I, I, I <laughs> agree. No doubt. Chase is the, is the new Casey Kane in that respect, for that matter, uh, and and drive uh, and uh, you know in the in the right car number and everything. So awesome. Um, with that, folks. I've had an absolute blast uh, hanging out with Jeremy. And, Jeremy, we'd uh, love to invite you on again at some point. Talk about racing. Talk about marketing, all this stuff. It's, uh, this is so much fun for us. And, and uh, we can't thank you enough for, uh, for hanging out and, you know, saying yes and just saying, yeah, sure, I'll, uh, I'll hang out and talk NASCAR for a little bit. Um, and, and we probably talked more shop. Uh, I, I don't know. If somebody invited me on a podcast and said, hey, we're going to talk about uh, programming or, or software development for an hour, I'd probably be like, eh. You know, uh, I'd rather talk about NASCAR, but uh, we, we appreciate you uh, uh, hanging out and, and uh, going with the flow with us. No, hey, thanks for the invite, guys. I do love, uh, look forward to coming back. But moreover, I look forward to seeing you guys at a track sometime in person. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. So, sure. We're, we're good about being places where people are. <laughs> yep. yep. Sherwin, why don't you close us out? Tell the folks where they can find us. All right, well, I'm not sure if your internet's going out or mine, but everybody can find us at PTM Podcast on Twitter and Instagram. You can find us at PTMPodcast.com, and you can find me at Pregame Engineer on Twitter and at Andrew L. Sherwin on Instagram. He said it, PTMPodcast.com, at PTMPodcast on Twitter. As always, I'm Russie Wallace at Tailgate Mayor. Can't wait to talk to y'all next week, see what happens over at Richmond. I'll be rooting for Chase. I will be uh, hoping 
for Truex. So we'll see what happens. Can't wait to see you all next week. Talk to you then.